Hey, we hope you guys enjoy that. What we're trying to do is just show you some of where your tithing and giving dollars go every week. And we want you to know that we're trying to change the world through Jesus Christ and that the kingdom is expanding. And your gifts go for that all the time. Welcome, Fearless Church of Christ followers. Ridiculous love. Dangerous witness. It's so good to be with you guys here. If you're watching us online, same there. I know thousands of you locally and even throughout the world are watching. We love you. As soon as you can get back here, get your COVID shot, get in. Hey, I just got my second COVID shot, and I'm still standing. I'm feeling strong. Don't mess with me. No germs in my place, all right? You guys feel the same way. We hope that if you're visiting today uh, that you see something a little different, maybe even a little strange, not weird strange, but those first three songs, I hope that you're going, why are these people singing those songs? Because we believe them. And we want you to be a part of that. And so anytime during this service, you can text hello to the number on your screen. We'll get you, we'll get you hooked up with some really, really strange people like me and Dale. All right? But we're also really fun people. All right? So we want you to be a part of our church. Uh, I just want to say one other thing. Um, uh, 11 o'clock service. Uh, if you're there, obviously, this is before time pre-recorded. I'm not there. I am going to Arizona uh, today uh, for a planning uh, session and also to meet some preachers and, most importantly, to greet my brand-new granddaughter and bring her into this world, all right? And when I say bring her into this world, I mean I'm not bringing her into anywhere, okay? <laughs> Hope to see her when she's all cleaned up and wrapped up in pink, all right? <laughs> well, God bless somebody, all right? As you guys know, I've been raised in the church, and one of my favorite things about the church is that it's built on food. I mean, people that are Christians love to eat. In fact, it's been said, Christians can't get together without food. You guys do that when you, when you meet with your small groups, your small group have food? Oh, all the time. Don't even come and try to have a prayer and a Bible study unless you're bringing something good to eat, all right? For the last three weeks, just in our, our small group, we've had uh, dilly bars, we had, uh, you know, Leslie brought some Indian uh, appetizers. Uh, that's part of her heritage. And then last week, my wife made a cake for all the May birthdays in our, in our small group. We have 12, and four of them had birthdays. You cannot get together and talk about Jesus and be in community of faith without food. It, when I was way back in the olden days, back in the 1900s, many of you here will recall, we had fellowship halls in our church. And a fellowship, I, I grew up thinking that a fellowship hall meant an eating hall because that's all we ever did there, food, fellowship, and fun, right? And uh, they, sometimes they called it, you know, a fellowship dinner, sometimes a pitch-in dinner. They also called it sometimes a potluck. And I never liked the term potluck. It's like, I brought something in a pot, good luck. <laughs> no, thanks. I want to know what you made, right? Fried chicken was always there, ham sometimes, every casserole you can imagine, green bean casserole, my favorite cheeseburger casserole right? Just meat and cheese and tater tots. Get out of the way, right? <laughs> you see how excited I am about food? I am so excited. I love it probably too much. Um, they had a lot of, you know, salads there too when I was growing up. I don't know if you guys recall, tons of salads. On, I skipped them all. Don't eat the salad, especially the one they had frog eye salad. Remember this? Frog eye salad. It's like, as a little kid, like, forget that. Plus, we had 50 pies at the end of the table in a church of 200 people, all right? Saving my time for that. I could go on and on, believe me, talking for hours about food. But I want to get to our word today from Exodus chapter 25. And if it's true that Christians can't get together, people of God can't get together without eating or without focusing on some food around the table, 
um, then it probably goes back to Exodus 25, 3,500 years ago. It's deep in our DNA. It's a holy act to eat together. And uh, that's what this uh, piece of furniture that we're going to look at today from the tabernacle is all about. Exodus chapter 25, verse 23. I hope you're reading along because the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts to the very deepest part of us and changes us. So here we go, the Word of the Lord. 25, 23. You shall make a table of acacia wood. Two cubits shall be its length, a cubit its breadth, and a cubit and a half its height. You shall overlay it with pure gold and make a molding of gold around it, and you shall make a rim around it a handbreadth wide and a molding of gold around the rim, and you shall make for it four rings of gold and fasten the rings to the four corners at its four legs. Close to the frame, the rings shall, shall lie as the holders for the poles to carry the table. You shall make the poles of acacia wood, overlay them with gold, and the table shall be carried with these. And you shall make its plates and dishes for incense and its flagons and bowls with which to pour drink offerings, and you shall make them of pure gold. And you shall set the bread of the presence on the table before me regularly. Let's pray. God, would you come now and would you just empower by your Holy Spirit as I lift up Jesus Christ, I pray that you would just pour your spirit through these cameras into every living room and office and dorm room and home. And I pray that you would just come in this place as we gather together. And I pray that you would speak to us because we need, we need the fellowship and the presence of the table. And so God, would you invite somebody in today that's never been here? Would you invite them into your meal? and to your table where they can eat together and have this holy experience with you. God, for all of us, I pray that this will be a day that we'll remember and always just be reminded that you invite us in to have a meal. God, would you use me now? Give me the words to say. I'm not smart enough. I've proven that for a long time. Would you give me the words to say? It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Well, if you've not been here the last three weeks, we've talked about in the tabernacle, the message of the tabernacle. Why the tabernacle? The tabernacle is because of this simple phrase, God wants to be with you. He wants to be with you. And that's why he moved into our neighborhood and built this elaborate tent. You might think it's just some Indiana Jones thing, but it's an elaborate tent that God put all these rituals in so he could grab us and pull us into his presence. If you're not really a Christ follower yet, if you're a Christ follower, we've already celebrated and said, yes, God wants to be with us. But if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ yet, maybe watching online, maybe visiting for the first time, here's good news for you. God of the universe who created it all, spins it all, keeps it all going, he wants to be with you. Y'all, I'm not even starting the sermon. I'm preaching. <laughs> Get ready. 11 o'clock, amen? All right. So this table is a step closer to his presence the table at God's house, right? It shouldn't surprise us, should it? You guys, you guys have places where you eat all the time in your house, right? Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a kitchen table. Maybe it's the bar in the kitchen. Maybe it's a formal dining room. Most of us don't do that anymore. Maybe it's a breakfast nook. Or maybe it's a coffee table right in front of your television. Unfortunately, we've kind of gravitated to those places. But we all have a place in our homes to eat, 
So it shouldn't be surprising to us that God in his home, in his tabernacle, in his tent in the Old Testament, that he would have a table where there's food. I want to go over here real quickly today and just kind of show you again this table that is called the table of showbread. Showbread simply means facing bread. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But I want to just describe for you, and this is so cool. Again, Mark Cochran put all these pieces together for us to observe. A couple of things I'm going to point out for you here. Um, first of all, it's a, it's a two, two cubits long, one cubit wide, and one and a half cubits tall. It's not very big, as you can see, a table that God has in his house. But remember, the room that he's in is, is a really small room. It's, it's only 20 by 10 cubits. So uh, he's, he's trying to uh, save some space here. There's three other pieces, or uh, two other pieces we'll get to in the future. But the stuff that's on the table kind of gives us some indication. First of all, you'll notice, maybe you didn't notice, this is made of gold. This is overlaid with gold. The altar outside, the bronze basin made of bronze. The closer you get, this is not the sermon, but it might be your sermon today. The closer you get to the presence of God, the more spectacular and glorious it is. You, you got to cover this stuff with gold because we're getting into God's house now. And on the table, you would find, you see, you, you'll be surprised. Maybe you thought it was just about bread, but look at what's on here. You shall, uh, it's overlaid with gold. Of course, there are, there are um, rings on the side so they can carry it. It's a piece of holy furniture. You can't just pick this up. You can't just call two men in a truck and get this over to Egypt somewhere. You got to, you have to, priest have put poles in here and they lift it, Right? But, but look at what's on here, and this really gives us some insight into what's going on with this whole meal. Verse 28, I'm sorry, verse 29, make its plates and dishes for incense. So there were gold plates here and dishes. The Hebrew word for dishes actually could indicate a spoon or a ladle. For what? For incense. It smelled good. Uh, probably frankincense, which is a resin that smells really good, was on this table in some kind of bowls and pl plates and, uh, and spoons. And uh, so it smelled good. In fact, this is extra stuff again, but uh, in Leviticus, part of the sacrifice, they sometimes burned this bread um, with, with incense sprinkled on it before God. All right? Now we come to these two pieces right here, uh, the, not the plates and the dishes, but the flagons and the bowls. The flagon is just another word for pitcher. And we know that part of what happened here at this table was they would take some wine and they would pour out a drink offering. It would pour out. And so we know that on this table is wine. And of course, I'm going to talk about this extensively later. There are 12 pieces of unleavened bread here on the table. So again, I'm going to give away the ending. It's a table with wine and bread. <laughs> you see anything? Okay, let's go, back to the, let's go back over here because only holy things happen over here. That's not true. Uh, this is the preaching platform. But I want to show you guys what this table is all about. That's just the facts. Those are just the facts of what this table is. I want to show you why would God put a table with these things on it? Why would he create this 3,500 years ago, 1,500 years before Jesus was born? It's because he's inviting us closer. He wants us to come into his presence. And that's what I want to start with today. This table, this table is a table of fellowship. If you're filling in the blanks on your in your outlines, my sermon notes, it's a table of fellowship. Just like in the, when I was a kid, and just like you do with your small group, we get around food, and you don't have to create conversation. These brownies are so good. Oh, I love this. This is, this is great. 
and we share and we get together and we, when you go around the table, all you have to do is just talk with the persons across the table. It's, it's really not that difficult. And for those of us who may think of God up in heaven with a lightning bolt just getting ready to throw it down at us every time we mess up, I want you to hear this today. God is inviting you into his presence through this table. 3,500 years ago, he said, Moses, do it exactly the way I tell you. Why? Because he knew that you'd be sitting here in the 21st century in America, in normal Illinois, and he wants you to know, hey, come to the table. I want a fellowship with you. That's the, that's the whole process that we've been talking about this week through this diagram of the temple. Remember? There is the, the main entrance that goes into the courtyard, and then we've passed the altar of burnt offering because as you come close to God, you're going to confront your sin, and you've got to do something about it. Thank God he gave the sacrifice of his son Jesus. And then we come to the bronze laver, this place where we wash our hands and our feet. It symbolizes the cleansing that God does because you have to come clean before God. By the way, last week we celebrated another 15 baptisms, 48 baptisms in the last 30 days. People that have come clean before God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Not the baptism itself, but it symbolizes that. Now we come into the proper part of the tabernacle. I can't draw, guys, sorry. But we know this is divided in two. And as you come through this, this curtain right to the right, you would find this table spread out with all the stuff that I just showed you, this beautiful gold table with bread and wine on top of it. And that's where we at, we're at. You know why Christians always have food when they get together? Because it's in our DNA. It's in our spiritual DNA. We get together. We cannot get together and just go, let's just pray and have the word of God. And again, if that's what you do, that's fine. But the truth is we want to do more. We want to share life together. We want an intimate time. God has a kitchen table because eating a meal together is the most natural form of sharing in relationship. It's natural. You don't, you don't, you don't have to work at it. It's, everybody here knows, hey, would you like some water? Can I get you something else? Hey, would you pass the salt? Hey, this is so delicious. Thank you. These are conversations you don't have to teach people. If I went to a meal with you right now, we'd have much of the same conversations you have with everyone that you eat with. When you eat, you share. This is God saying to us, I want to share with you. I've got bread on this table because it's for you. And I want to share everything that's, that's in my life. And it's this very face-to-face -face relationship. In fact, if you want to look in verse 30, there's a very important word here. It's capitalized in most of your translations. You shall set the bread of the presence the Hebrew word panim. And you know what it means? Face. This is the bread of the face. This is the face bread. And the reason it's called sometimes in the older versions the table of showbread is because it's the turning of the face of God towards us. This bread symbolizes, I'm looking at you. You know, when you get around the table, guess what? You see people. <laughs> you see their expressions. You, you, you're eye to eye with them. God's table says to us, this is my face. I want you to come into my presence. We're eating bread face to face with him. When we sit around the table with our families or with loved ones or even first dates or second dates or 36 years married dates, whatever those dates are, those times you sit around the table, it's where you find the intimacy. It's where you find the heart of people. You hear voices of the people talking. You see the love of the people. And at this table, we can hear God's heart, see his love, uh, understand that he cares for us. 
God is willing to talk with us about anything. When you get at a table, especially with your kids, nothing's off limits. Nothing's off limits. I have stormed away from a kitchen table more when my boys were little for ruining a devotion than you can imagine. And it usually is like, I'm not even going to pray. You guys go to your rooms. Because they say whatever they want. They're in the presence of dad, and there's no rules, right? Now, there's certain things that they would get in trouble for, but you don't, you don't sit your, your, with your kids at a table or some casual friend, hey, let's go out to Bob Evans and have breakfast sometimes. You don't say that, and they go, there's certain things I'd like you not to mention. No, it's an open conversation. We just begin sharing life and heart and all the stuff that comes out of our mouth. Guys, can I encourage you just to do something practical this week with this table? And I don't know that, the, that this, this text is necessarily saying this, but can I encourage you to have at least two or three meals this week with your family, your household, whoever they are, however big it is, that you would get together and enjoy? Listen, I'm, I'm not writing any parenting books, okay? But I'm telling you, one of the best things that Sarah and I did when the kids were growing up is we ate dinner together almost every night. I promise you that's the way for you to get conversation and hang out with your kids. It's super important. Let me just say this uh, a little uh, further along. We talk about uh, all the time here being dangerous witnesses, right? You're like, what's dangerous? You want to do something dangerous this week? Invite a neighbor to your house for a cookout or for dinner. That's it. You, what am I going to say? What do you always say? Talk about the Cubs or the Cardinals or whoever you, whatever loser team you root for. I don't care. <laughs> Go, Reds. Go Reds. Thank you, wife. <laughs> now this becomes a, ye a yelling session for our favorite teams. See what I'm saying? I don't even have a steak up here. <laughs> right? You don't have to be weird about it. But it's a witness when you invite people into the intimacy of your life. It just happens. Just get there. Don't be strange. Don't look at your grill and go, hey, this reminds me of the altar burnt offering. <laughs> Some people, you think that you have to be weird like that. You don't have to. Just say, how do you like your steak? And just have a conversation and God will open the doors with you, Right? Sometimes we try to work too hard. A meal is just a meal. Sit down with people, invite them in as the Lord has invited us in to the table. But the table is about more than fellowship. The table represents something else for us. Oh, I skipped this door. Or this, uh, I don't know where this scripture came from. Anyway, uh, <laughs> wait, uh, I pray for the Lord to give me words, so I'm going to read this just in case. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. Yes, this is in the sermon. Sorry. Uh, here's the deal. <laughs> you, you guys thought, you guys suspected all along that Sarah writes the sermon. Well, she snuck this one in. I don't know where it came from. No, that's not true. Uh, I'm looking at my notes and I was like, hey, idiot, right here. Uh, no, I, I want you to see again that this is what God's still saying through his son, Jesus Christ, in Revelation 3. He's knocking on the door saying, can I come into your house? I want to come in and I want to eat with you. And I want you to eat with me. There's an intimacy here. God is inviting us in to what he's doing. And now, to the next point. <laughs> It's a table of fellowship. He wants to be with us and hang out with us. It's also a table of provision. 
the bread on the table is a symbol that we have enough, that God's given us what he teaches to pray, our daily bread. Bread is universal, guys. It's everywhere. Uh, the Lord has allowed me and Sarah to travel to, I think, 19 different countries outside of the United States now. And it's not surprising to me that this is not a table of soup. It's not a table of brownies. It's not a table of pizza. You know why it's a table of bread? Because bread is everywhere. I've been in India with our good friends Ajay and Indu Law. By the way, you're going to hear about them. You know that COVID is just messing up that whole country. We've sent them some relief, and we're going to share with them uh, as much as we can. We'll share that with you guys in a couple of weeks. But we've sent money there because they run a hospital that serves 2 million people during good times, right? Anyway, I, I've been in India. Naan. Anybody love naan? Tons of butter slathered all over it. Yes, please, right? Uh, it, you, if you go to Mexico or the Dominican Republic where I've been, it's tortillas, right? There's unleavened bread. I've had that in Israel. Chala bread in Israel. Chapati is the bread that's in Africa that they have. Literally everywhere you go, pita bread in Greece, flatbread, soda bread, cornbread in Georgia. I know Georgia's not another nation. <laughs> but I've had some really good cornbread there. I could go on. The point is that you, you can talk to anyone from any place in any time and you can say, if you can figure out their language and you, you're able to communicate to them bread, they have it. There's one people tell me, he's like, I'm on a low-carb diet. I'm like, that's not biblical. <laughs> it's like, you can lose weight if you want to. I'm sticking with the Bible. <laughs> it's full of bread, man. There's bread everywhere. And so that, I think the reason that there's a major theme of the Bible is bread is because it points to God providing for us. Give us this day our daily bread. Remember when the people were hungry in the wilderness? Not too far after this, this tabernacle is constructed and they go traveling through the wilderness, they started saying, God, we're going to starve out here. We had it better off in Egypt. He goes, hey, just stand back, Exodus 16, 4. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you. The people shall go out, and they can gather it every morning. Literally, in the wilderness for 40 years, God provided bread, daily bread. Why? Because that's what God does. Well, God's not giving. Listen, the problem with Americans, most of us, is that we, we, we want three months ahead bread. And God's saying, I'm going to give you today, I'm going to provide for you today everything you need for now, here, today. He provides for us. This table says, I will give you what you need. And remember, this bread of the presence on the table and the bread from the heaven of the wilderness represent a literal provision, but it points to God's or spiritual provision through Jesus Christ. You guys know this. You guys are Bible scholars. You're smarter than I am. But if you go to John chapter 6, Jesus is feeding the people in the wilderness. He breaks the bread and the fishes, and he feeds 5,000 people. You've heard of this miracle. And the people start going, wow, this is just like in the Old Testament days. We're in a wilderness. God is giving us bread. So Jesus begins talking with them about this reality of bread. And they begin saying, are you greater than Moses? Are you greater than Moses who gave us bread in the desert? And Jesus says, that's right. He didn't say that's right, though. He actually had a scripture that he says. John 6, the bread of God is he who comes down 
He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Wow. Goes all the way back to this table that says, I'll provide for you daily food. I feed you in the wilderness. And now my son, Jesus Christ, will fill you spiritually. If you're hungry in here, like in the physical sense, eat bread. But if you're hungry watching online or here, you're hungry for something deeper than life has given you right now, you're hungering for a relationship, you're hungering for love, you're hungering for something that has meaning, stop eating what the world is telling you and serving you. And get full on Jesus Christ. He's the bread. He's the only thing that fills us. And that's the illustration from this table, believe it or not. Interestingly, the Hebrew word for bread here, look again in verse 30. You shall set the bread of the presence is, is really the, the Hebrew word lechim. Lechim, uh, which you probably recognize when I say Beit lechim. It's Bethlehem. It's Bethlehem. The word means bread. So Bethlehem literally means house, Beth, lechem, of bread. Where was Jesus born? Who's the bread of life? I don't think any of this stuff is accidental. I think this is the way God rolls. He's like, listen, I'm going to give you bread. Everybody's going to eat bread. I'm going to feed you bread in the wilderness. I'm going to have a table of show bread. My son's going to call himself the bread of life. He's going to be born in a house of bread. Hey, listen, if you wonder if God's got a plan for your life, check this out. Matthew 26, 26 goes even further with this. You know this. Matthew 26, 26 says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and blessing it, he broke it, and gave it to his disciples. And what did he say? Take, eat. This is my body. He becomes, he institutes in a really practical and real sense the Lord's Supper. But he starts at a table from Passover that's this bread, and he breaks it. He says, guys, I've been trying to say this ever since I've been here for three years of this ministry. I am the thing that's going to provide for you. I am going to sustain you. This table is about provision. God's been saying it for 3,500 years at least. If you will come to my table, I'll take care of you. I'll feed you. I'll nurture you. You'll never go hungry at God's table. So this table of provision is God's house with bread and wine on the table. But it's a picture of the table where God in the flesh provides forgiveness and sin, or provides forgiveness from sin through his own body and blood. And again, if you're here today and you're hungry, just text hello right now. If you're here, text hello. We want to talk with you. We want to help you through finding Jesus Christ as the bread of life. If you're hungry today, do not leave here hungry. First of all, you can stop at Cafe 19 and get some really awesome cookies. But beyond that, in a spiritual sense, in a spiritual sense, do not leave here today without Jesus Christ. Guys, listen, you might be sitting there going, I get it. This table, I know enough, this table is for priests. The priest ate this bread. It was part of the provision that God had for his, and you're saying, I'm not the priest kind. I'm not the priest type. This table's not for me. It might be good for some spiritual people here in the building today, maybe some spiritual people that I know if you're watching online, but it's not for me. But here's the reality. This one last thing I want to say about this table. This table is a table for everyone. 
It's a table for everyone. And you go, how do you get that? Well, if you go to Leviticus chapter 24, verse 5 and following it, in your notes, you'll find some more instructions about, you know, about what this, uh, this table was like and what was on it. But Le- Leviticus 24, 5, uh, you'll find that there were 12 freshly baked loaves, unleavened loaves. They were put there every Sabbath. So every Sabbath, the priest would go in, they would take the old loaves, they would eat them, and they would put 12 freshly baked loaves there. And you might be saying, why 12? Well, how many tribes of Israel were they? Were there? Symbolically, every person in the camp was at the table of provision and fellowship through these 12 loaves. Here's what I want to say. I said it this way. Everyone has a seat at God's kitchen table. You might be some kid that nobody knows in the tribe of Gad, but you are represented at that table. And you may feel like you're far from God. You've done too many bad things. You've never been to church. You don't even know where to begin. And you're going, this table can't be, I'm telling you, no matter who you are, where you're from, what you've done, this table is an invitation from God to provide for you and to fellowship with you. Wow. You might be saying, well, I'm not really sure whether it's still for me or not. Well, let me just illustrate by, by showing you what God did when he came in the flesh through Jesus Christ. This is a list, and this is not, a, this is not an exhaustive list. These are the people that Jesus ate with when he was here on the earth. Jesus eats with his family. Cana of Galilee in John chapter 2, this, when he turns the water to wine, Jesus is at a wedding feast. Why was he there? Because he probably knew somebody in the wedding party. Maybe it was a relative of his. Could have been James or John or Joseph, one of his brothers. We don't know. Could have been a sister of his. He was at Cana, not too far from Nazareth, a little town. Why is Jesus going to this party? He's going to a party because you eat with your family. Jesus does that. Jesus eats with friends. He had these friends, Mary and Martha. That's the passage there in Luke chapter 10. Lazarus was their brother. And he spent a lot of time, he and his disciples and followers spent a lot of time in Bethany eating about two miles from Jerusalem. In fact, we believe the whole last week of his life before he was betrayed, crucified, dead, and buried, and risen from the grave, uh, that he spent that whole week in Bethany eating with them, friend, with friends. You like eating with friends? Hey, dude, you won't believe what happened to this donkey. I, I, I saw this when I was walking home. You just start telling stories. You start sharing laughs. Remember that time when when Peter thought he could walk on water, you just laugh. Remember that time when these clowns started throwing down lightning from heaven because they wanted to destroy this town? That was, yeah, you start telling stories. You remember things. You share life. Jesus did that. And the Bible says this. This is what's cool. Jesus says that I've called you friends. He's with friends. He's with followers. He had lots of meals with his 12 apostles. That's what is recorded here in Matthew 26. Jesus eats with sinners. Now, this is where people start going, wait a minute. This table of showbread where only priests can go, this is for sinners? If you really understand it, it is. He ate with tax collectors and sinners, the Bible tells us. Tax collectors were in cahoots with Rome, stealing money from the Israelite people. They hated them. They thought they were as far from God as possible. Of course, prostitutes. He ate with prostitutes as well. And they said of Jesus, at one point they said, Jesus comes and he's a, he's a glutton and a drunkard. Of course, he wasn't a glutton or a drunkard. He didn't sin, but he wouldn't mind sitting down with people who were drinking too much and eating too much. 
And uh, that means whatever, think of whatever bar you're thinking of right now. Think of whatever weird CD place you're thinking. Jesus would go have a meal there. I'm positive. He ate with um, sinners. He ate with the self-righteous. You know, in our culture where we're kind of anti anybody who has power and authority and we're just always sure that they're abusing people, well, there's no, no more abusive power people in the Bible than the Pharisees. And guess who Jesus ate with all the time? Pharisees. Jesus didn't come into town and say, hey, I'll eat with the sinners, but not the Pharisees. I'll eat with my family, but not my friends. I'll eat with my friends, but not these people that don't like me. Jesus would take a dinner, reser- uh, dinner uh, invitation to anybody's house, anytime, anywhere. He was not afraid to sit around self-righteous people that had all the power and just say, hey, pass the bread. Hey, let me pray for this. Hey, this is really great wine. He had no problem doing that. And then, of course, social outcast. Mark 14, 3 talks about lepers. He had a meal with a leper. He's in the house of Simon the leper. Y'all, we got all kinds of drugs and medicines and cures and everything these days. I, I don't know that many of you would want to go, hey, we're going to a leper's house for dinner. You in? You might not be so ready to go. But Jesus was ready to go where people, where people were outcast and people were friends and people were families. No matter who you are, no matter what was going on in your life, Jesus wants to eat with you. That's what the table of showbread is about. That's what the table of the bread of presence is about. Jesus invites us to this table. Did you find yourself in this list? Maybe you go, I'm a friend of Jesus. I'm family with Jesus. Some of you may be thinking, I'm an outcast. I'm a sinner. Jesus doesn't want to eat with me. I can assure you with everything that's within me that Jesus has no problem sitting down and eating with you. And that if he were here today, he would go to your house. Oh, Jesus, I don't have too much. He'd still come. Oh, Jesus, I'm not very holy. He'd still come. Jesus, I'm super holy. He'd still come. Jesus would come to your house, and he would sit down with you, and he would eat with you, and he would get into your life, and he would share with you how much he loves you, and he would be face-to-face, and he would smile, and he would hug you, even in COVID, because he's Jesus. He would hug you and he would be intimate with you and he would not mind at all being in your house. You remember this passage, Luke 22, verse 15. Jesus says, he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I want this to be your your invitation today. I have earnestly desired to eat with you. That's the invitation doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you've done. This is why we do what we do here at Eastview every week. This ancient table from God's house is really about another table. You'll notice that normally we have a communion table down here in front of the stage with bread and wine. We decided to move it today to the table, another table with bread and wine. So in preparation, we're going to do what we always do. If you're here Would you go ahead and take your communion? And here's what I want you to do, please. Open it up, take the bread out, and peel the cup back so that we're not making this noise. And if you're at home right now, go ahead and take whatever you've prepared for the bread and the wine to celebrate at this table. You see, this this table 
takes us back to that scripture we started off with with the tabernacle Hebrews 8 5 says these things are a shadow of the things that are eternal to come the heavenly things and of course you know that when Jesus was here he you know he was at a table where they were pouring wine he's a table where there were 12 pieces of bread stacked six each and he sat down at a table with his apostles and he sits down at a table with us in fact the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 I passed on to you what Jesus passed on to me that on the night he was betrayed he took bread and he broke it and and again every time we come to this table it's a remembering but today I want us to do something different I want us to look forward to that day that Jesus says there's gonna come a day where I eat this with you anew in my father's kingdom Revelation paints that picture for us in Revelation 19 of the the wedding feast of the lamb I, I'm sure he's gonna have better bread and wine than this I'm not even sure if it's literal but I know that when we take the body and blood of Christ together we not only remember what he sacrificed for that to happen but we get an invitation an, an eternal invitation to come to fellowship to be in my presence that's the end of the story for those of us in Christ and so Jesus broke the bread and said this is my body given for you would you join me let's take the body of Christ as we look forward to that day we'll eat it with him in his kingdom And in the same way that this drink offering was poured out, Jesus poured out his life and his blood so that we could live. There's going to come a day we're going to eat and drink in his kingdom. Let's drink and remember and look forward. Amen.